All right. Um, what is Mark 15 about? Look at it. It's about the crucifixion. Mark 15 is about the crucifixion. I want us to look today at a painful story, but it is an incredible story. And Mark does something that probably has escaped you. It certainly escaped me my whole life. But I got... I heard this lesson while we were in Israel with Ray Vanderlyn. We were at a place called Avdat. Say Avdat. Avdat. It's a neat name. Avdat. It is a place that was world famous for its, guess what? Anybody know it's a product? Wine. Yes, it was world famous for wine, but it was a special kind of wine. It was red wine, but it was mixed. It was a mixed wine that could that came from Avdat, and it was world famous because this wine was mixed with many different spices, but Avdat were the masters in mixing wine with myrrh. Myrrh. Hmm. So myrrhed wine. When you talked about myrrhed wine, you wanted Avdat wine. That was the uh, Jamon Serrano is from España. The best jamón serrano is from España, in my opinion. Um, if you want the best pasta, where are you going to go? China? No, you're going to go to Italia. Prego, it's in there, right? <laughs> bada bing, bada boom, mamma mia, papa pia. All right, uh, those are such <laughs> stereotypes. They're bad stereotypes, too. Um, by the way, 3D is this week. 3D at my house, Thursday, char-broiled hamburgers from real charcoal on a real grill. None of this gas, propane kind of stuff. This is mesquite charcoal, all right? None of this veggie burger. We want, we're talking actual bovine. And, well, I don't know about Angus, but certainly Sam. Sam's beef. Um, homemade patties, though. None of this prefab patties either. We're going to salt and we're going to season them ourselves. We're going to have a, a mini feast. Okay. The notes, your notes, you can title the crucifixion. You can title them. I like to, to remember this lesson by the Roman word. What, what language did the Romans speak? Latin. Latin. Triumpe. Now, what does it sound like? Sounds like trumpet. It's more like triumph. And in fact, that is where we get our word triumph. However, it doesn't mean triumph in Latin. Triumpe is a grand procession that means show thyself. Show thyself. Yes. Triumpe means show thyself. First, let me tell you what a triumpe was and how it worked. First, the soldiers would proclaim a victorious general. And the Senate would decree a triumph. The triumphator appeared wrapped in a triumphal gown with a laurel diadem. What's a diadem? Like a crown on his head. And he would be holding a branch in his right arm. So wrapped in this triumphal gown, 
because men wore gowns in those days as well, this laurel diadem and this branch in his hand. He would call together the people. He would praise the gathered soldiers, distribute gifts, and then he would mount a tower-shaped chariot where a slave would hold a crown over his head as he's riding in his chariot. The slave's holding his crown above his head. This is what a Roman triumph or triumphe ceremony looked like. The triumphator, this general who had done an incredible job and won the battle that he had fought. So the triumphator was preceded into the city by captives of the actual battle that the general just fought because they captured the enemy and those captives were forced to display graphic representations of his victories. If he rode by and... uh, I was going to say snuck, no. Snapped, no. No. swatted off his head. Yeah, but I mean the word, the verb, he swatted? It just doesn't sound like you swat flies, but I can't think of the word. If he won, you know, swung his sword and just lopped off his head, there'd be a decapitated, real decapitated person. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Because they didn't have slideshows and movies in those days. They just used real people. And they're just captives. Who cares? They're just captives. They're enemies. They're going to die anyway. So why don't you make it cool when they die? No. No, no, no. Finally, the victorious general arrived at the Roman Forum. And after commanding that some of the captives be led to prison and put to death, he rode up to the capital. Hmm. So, all would shout as this triumphant general would ride this tower-shaped chariot proceeding in this parade through the city as the captives were made to display the graphic victories of this general before him so all the crowd could see, ooh, oh, that's disgusting. And then they see the generals, wow, he did that to them. Hey, long live Rome. As he goes through the city, those prisoners are then sent to prison to be put to death. And the general continues to ride his chariot up to the capital. We saw something like this in, if you've ever seen the movie, The Hunger Games. They come out in their chariots and they roll down the main dragway and then they go around the big circle so everybody can see, right? It's taken right out of that whole Roman society, that whole movie is. All shout, hail to the emperor, the son of God. Now, I don't know if you knew this, but the emperors of the Roman dynasty believed they were divine. They believed they were gods. Omens in the sky would sometimes confirm the deity of a certain Augustus or a certain Caesar, I mean. Um, uh, a certain Caesar, you say, 
not Caesar. We say Caesar, but it was Kaiser. Um, so when a Kaiser died and there was a uh, comet that appeared in the sky that lasts several days, that was an omen. And that meant, oh my gosh, he may have risen from the dead and become a god. Well, if your father is celebrated as one who, ro who rose from the dead and became a god, what does that make you? You makes you a son of the God, exactly. So, so would we capitalize God or lowercase God? Oh no, I definitely don't capitalize it. They don't they didn't believe he was the son of Yud Hey Vav Hey, like no. But what's amazing is um there is this dichotomy, there is this parallel between Jesus as king and Herod as king, between Jesus as son of God and the whole Roman what do you, royal court, all of them became deities as well. So you constantly had this tension between who's the real son of God. I don't know if you've ever picked up on those vibes before, but they're all over the gospels, especially in Mark. There's this tension between who's the real son of God, because the Romans know who the son of God is. That's Caesar, the particular Caesar at the time. Uh, did you ever see the movie 300? Okay, Xerxes believed himself to be a god, but he bled just like other men, right? So this idea of, I feel human, I was born from my mom, but I'm probably a god, that is actually pretty normal in 2000 years ago in Rome and in the ancient parts of the world. Back to the triumphator, back to the triumphe ceremony. So I'll shout, hail to the emperor, the son of God. The face of the triumphator was painted red in imitation of the same statue from which the robe and the crown were borrowed in the temple of Jupiter Capitolinus. Jupiter Capitolinus. Who's Jupiter? Yes, he's the king of the gods. Who is he in Greece? He's Zeus. Jupiter, Apollos, Zeus, right? Three of the same guys. They're the king of the gods. They just have different names in different religions. But they're the king of the gods. So there was a temple to Jupiter. That statue was made out of most likely red marble. Why would the triumphator's face be painted red? Yeah, he's supposed to be, you're supposed to see the connection. Oh, Jupiter and son of Jupiter, son of a god. It was that Jupiter statue that had a robe, an actual robe put on it and an actual crown put on him. So when they used the crown and the robe to cover the triumphator, Guess where they got the robe of the crown from? From the statue. Okay, makes sense? Now, the crowd then called and cried out, Tree um pay! Tree um pay! They called for a manifestation of the God. They wanted the God to show up. It's called a theophany. A theophany, it's when the God reveals himself. So when you called Triumphe and you've got thousands upon thousands of people chanting this word Triumphe, 
They wanted a sign. And you know what? A lot of times they got one. You think, what? Yeah. Some loud thunder crack would in the distance. Maybe there would be a lightning bolt that would strike. Maybe the sun would go behind the clouds and everything would get real eerie. Just in the moment that they're calling tree and bait. Now, are those natural phenomena? Sure. Was it coincidental? Probably. Was it coincidence for them? No way. That's a sign. And can you imagine if you're calling tree, oompa, and you're doing this for 10, 15 minutes, all of a sudden all the clouds go over in front of the sun. It gets real black. And you hear, and this lightning bolt strikes. Would you not think, oh my gosh, that is the real deal. If you're thinking like a Roman, right? Show yourself. Show your power. Oh, invisible God. And he goes, okay. And he throws a thunderbolt or a lightning bolt down like, Thank you, right? That's, wow, be amazing. After about 20 BC, so this predates Jesus by several decades. So after about 20 BC, the Triumphe ceremony became the exclusive privilege of the emperor alone. Used to be just successful generals that went out and led a battle and won some land and some people for Rome. No, 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 no. After about 20 BC, the only person that was worthy to have his face painted red and be hailed as one of the sons of the gods is the emperor. And you can see why the emperor said, I don't want some general being called son of God. That's my job. He's a general. He's, he's just a peon. He does what I tell him. Can you see why he would be jealous of that? And the emperor alone would say, no, that's for me. Besides, he's the emperor and he can make the laws he wants, right? Now, when the emperor alone could be the triumphator or was the triumphator, it was a tribute to an all-powerful individual. The ceremony eventually became a display of the emperor as a god, not just related to him, but I am a god myself and people would pay homage to the God. A consistent feature in the numerous monuments depicting triumphs is the sacrifice. Look, there's a forum. That's an actual Roman forum. But a consistent feature in the numerous monuments depicting triumphs is a sacrificial bull. This is an actual depiction of a triumphal procession where there is a Bull. Actually, in this one, there are two bulls. But they find these all over the ancient world when they excavate. They find these Roman triumphal processions. And they're carved out of stone. And in many of them, you have this sacrificial bull. He's led along, dressed and crowned, just like who? Who else is dressed and crowned? The emperor is. He's got his crown on and he's dressed in his royal robes. Well, they put a royal robe on the bull and they put a crown on the bull. And what do you think that symbolizes? You got a bull with a crown and a robe on and you got a emperor with a crown and a robe on. Is there a connection? Yes. A little more confidence. <laughs> yes. Obviously, there's a connection. They're both dressed exactly the same way. Now, you don't know what the connection is, but can you see a connection there? Yes. Absolutely. The bull is not alone. 
in nearly every single one of these ancient depictions, walking alongside the bull is an individual carrying a double-bladed axe. In nearly every one. Here's the bull, and here's the guy carrying the axe. The other part of it probably broke off. It's the instrument of the victim's death. That's what he's carrying. Dionysus of Halicarnassus, that's a mouthful, records the legend that during the laying of a foundation for the temple on a certain Roman hill, a human head was discovered with all of its features intact. Means it didn't rot away. Had its eyes, eyelids, eyelashes, eyebrows, nose, mouth, lips, everything. They found an excavated head when they were laying a foundation for a temple on a certain Roman hill. And when they were digging and they found this head, it was perfectly preserved. Mummified, but preserved. Mm. Now, soothsayers, you know what a soothsayer is? Sorcerer, fortune teller, warlock, witch, whatever. Soothsayers proclaimed, Romans, tell your fellow citizens, it is ordered by fate that the place in which you found the head shall be the head of all Italy. And since that time, literally, since that time, the place is called the Capitoline Hill because of the head that was found there. Because the Romans call the heads capita. Think decapitation. Capita. This is your head. Capita. Right? So, the capital. What do we have in Washington, D.C.? We have a capital. It's kind of interesting, right? It's the head. It's the chief. Okay. The supreme moment of the triumph. The supreme moment which they're building towards in this procession is the moment of sacrifice depicted in detail by numerous sculptors of the period. Just prior to the sacrifice of the bull, are you listening? Just before the sacrifice of the bull, or in a few cases, simultaneous with the sacrifice, the triumphator, the emperor, face painted red, crown on his head, robe around him, was offered a cup of wine. Guess where that wine was probably from, if they are hoity-toity and going to spend the money on the wine. Avdat, yeah, you bet. He would refuse. And it's all an act. It's all a ceremony. He would refuse the wine, taking it, and he would pour it on the ground or on the altar or more rarely, can you see him pouring it out? Uh-huh. On the altar. More rarely, he'd pour it on the bull himself. So the triumphator is offered this wine, and he says, no. He pours it on the altar. He pours it on the bull. Now, what do you think the wine represents? Blood, right? Blood. Why would he pour it on the bull? Because the bull's gonna die. Exactly. The wine obviously signifies blood precious blood of the victim. But again, we don't know why they're connected. Why is the emperor and the bull supposed to be the same thing? Uh-huh. There's a link between the triumphator and the victim. 
And that link not only is how they're dressed, but it's the wine which signifies their blood and they are connected. Even before Mark's gospel, which some say written maybe in 70 AD, I think it was earlier personally, and I have good reasons for that. Mark would have mentioned the destruction of the temple that happened in 70 AD. I would think kind of a big deal since it's the center of their entire solar system. If you're a Jew, the center of your solar system is the temple. So if something happened to it, like the Romans came and sacked it and destroyed it, you might want to make mention of that in your gospel. I'm just saying. Uh, So I think it was earlier than that. But Jesus was understood as a triumphator in 2 Corinthians 2, verses 14 through 15. Listen to Paul. Messiah always leads us in triumphal procession. And through us spreads in every place the fragrance that comes from knowing him. For we are the aroma of Messiah to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Now, Mark's narrative begins with the Roman soldiers leading Jesus into the courtyard of the palace. Nobody fell out of their chairs. Because we don't know what the courtyard of the palace is. The word Mark uses is the word praetorium. Now, if you're a Star Wars fan or an alien saga, Sigourney Weaver, alien, aliens. Okay. If you're an aliens, not just an alien, like, oh, I like aliens. No, I'm talking about the movies, alien. You know what a Praetoria is or Praetorium. It could apply to the military headquarters or the place and personnel of the Imperial Guard. To put it a different way, this would be the military guard, but this is the Imperial Guard. You know, I'd have to have a slide of Star Wars, right? This is the military guard, normal military guard, okay? This imperial guard. We're talking special forces, okay? Imperial guard, military guard, okay? You got the idea. (laughs) So everybody got the idea. All right, good. Um, Just thought you'd enjoy that. The Praetorian or imperial guard They made or broke the power of the emperor. In other words, the emperor was only as powerful as his praetorian. Because if you could, it's the secret service. The president is only as safe as the secret service. If the secret service are compromised, president's a goner. If the secret service are awesome and can... We'll take a bullet for this guy, take a bomb for this guy, know where to get this guy... The president's safety power is only as good as his praetorian, okay? That's the way it was in the ancient day. That was the way it was in Jesus' day. It was invariably present. The imperial guard was invariably present on the occasion of a triumph. Why? Why was the praetorian, why was the imperial guard there present during a triumphal procession? 
Yeah, because the emperor's the guy on the chariot, right? And they got to be like making sure he's safe. So yeah, you can bet the imperial guard is present when there's a triumphal procession. Okay, 